0: Welcome to my podcast, All Things Agriculture. I'm your host, Eric Carey, and thank you for tuning in. On this podcast, get to know those who work in agriculture on a daily basis. Find out what they do, the challenges and opportunities they face, and what they think the future holds for agriculture. You'll also have a chance to hear what they do for fun when they aren't working hard to feed the world. If you're watching on YouTube, please consider subscribing to my channel and leaving a thumbs up and a comment below. If you prefer the audio version, you can listen for free on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And if you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me at allthingsagrgmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome back to All Things Agriculture. I'm your host, Eric Carey. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, first off, I'd like to just uh, thank everyone who's been really supportive of this channel and podcasts. It's been unbelievable, the response from text messages and Facebook messages. And it's, uh, it's really encouraging and uh, couldn't do it without you. So, Thank you for, uh, for watching and, uh, for,
1: yeah, you got a good thing going. Yeah. Thanks.
0: <laughs> uh, so everyone, this is, uh, Martin Cornell. Um, uh, so Marty, why don't you take it away and tell us a little about what you do.
1: So, uh, I guess a couple different things. So I've got a day job where I'm a tool maker, a machinist, um, work for a pretty large company here in central New York where we um basically i work on molds so we mold plastic parts um, they do more than that they do um they're kind of a complete all-around business where you want a part but maybe it's going to be require five other parts so you'll take those five parts and assemble it to make one complete part so they'll mold all those parts and will assemble it for you and ship it right to you complete so um that's my day job. (laughs) So what I do after my day job is, uh, part-time farm. So, uh, my brother-in-law, Aaron Hoskins and I farm, depending on the year, you know, we go up and down on acres every year. Um, anywhere from three to 400 acres. Um, and that's a mix of corn, soybeans, and hay. And we work with Local dairy farms, on the corn and hay, and then soybeans we work with uh, whoever kind of needs them kind of thing.
0: So you, you you don't have any storage of your own if you do corn or soybeans? It's it Basically, it's out of the field and no longer your problem.
1: So corn, yes, corn is completely gone out of our hands. We do have a little bit of soybean storage at my parents'. Um, my dad put up a bin oh, a couple years ago, I think around... 2014 and that's a 5,000 bushel bin so and so where where are you located Union Springs Okay, it's a um, farm and a really we have a bunch of land and uh, troop area kind of thing so that f-
0: three to four hundred acres is that <clears throat> owned or how does that or rented or how does that broken up
1: so yeah obviously a combination of owned and rented um, so Aaron and I have an LLC and the L- LLC owns some land, um, and then we rent the rest. Aaron owns some land himself, Aaron and Liz, and then the F- LLC just rents from them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it works out well. Yeah. But we're spread out fairly far for our operation kind of thing, um, but it works really well. Um, you know, some fields there to the north might get rain, where some of the south don't. So it it works out kind of well in that regard so
0: you're you're spread out but it can be adv- advantageous
1: as well yeah dist- yes. yeah yeah yeah
0: and uh so do you own your own equipment or how does that work so
1: we own some equipment we're gaining every year um so we started off with a 15 foot soybean drill and then we added a 12 row corn planter and we've got a one tractor it's 150 horse um and that was primarily what we were doing so we would work with the local dairy farms that were um, gonna end up buying the corn from us and they would come in and do a tillage pass for us and then that allowed us to just kind of focus on the planning while we were getting going Um, we've only really been doing this for four years now so we're still really trying to get up to speed here so it's coming along so
0: it's kind of a year by year you just build and build and
1: yeah hopefully
0: eventually have more be able to do more your own instead of having to hire out
1: yeah yeah and some of that's um obviously financially because of buying expensive equipment and then some of it is because right now it is Aaron and myself so it works really well to coordinate with these farms that have resources that we can kind of lean on and they've been fantastic helping us achieve what we're trying to get done in the spring which is control chaos <laughs> <laughs> every farm is like that yeah welcome yeah, yeah. welcome to farming right yeah, yeah um
0: so how how did you and Aaron get get started with all of this
1: right so we uh dove into the deep end of the pool i suppose so It was kind of funny we were um, basically we had one three acre field that we kind of did for like two years and just one you know corn soybeans and it was awful we fought weeds we fought woodchucks woodchucks (laughs) love to eat our soybeans (laughs) and so you know we messed around with that and then um a neighbor farmer to my parents has 320 acres that he does And so he needed help one fall combining, so I went and ran a combine for him, combine corn. And after we were done, I just kind of said, hey, geez, you know, if you ever rent any land out, because, so he was working full-time at the same time and doing this all on his own. So I said, oh, geez, if you ever need to rent any land out, you know, I would be interested. And just kind of left it at that. Well, then, you know, he came to call me and It worked out so that he was going out of country for the year and so he wanted somebody to obviously work his land and he had already been working with local dairies and that were kind of so he's 100% corn soybean rotation so he didn't want to necessarily just have it all planted in corn while that year he was gone so we kind of talked and it worked out. So we kept his rotation going for him and we were able to, uh, rent his whole farm and that was in 2016. So that was, so we go from that three acre field that we'd been doing for two years to now it's over 300, you know? Wow. So it was, it was insane, but it was, um, a steep landing curve, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, we made it through. <laughs> yeah. That must have, uh,
0: it's just kind of a, the right place and right time in order to kind of pick something like that up then.
1: Yeah, and luckily, you know, um, a lot of things went in our favor, obviously. So we were able to kind of financially support that too because that's all 100% upfront costs, as you know. You know, you got to buy all the seed, the fertilizer, and everything. And so we were able to uh, do that and still, you know, survive and do what we needed to do. For our regular lives and everything and so that really enabled us to kind of hit the ground running that we kind of had that lined up and then obviously my dad um, he has 160 acres that he owns and he rents and works some other ground and so he has his own equipment so we were able to use his tractors his corn planter so we did all that with his six row corn planter and 15 foot grain drill and so we planted all those soybeans and a lot of corn. And that was, uh, ended up being a tough year. So that was a dry. That was a dry, yeah. Oh, it was super dry, was yeah. Dry. So I think we, I don't know if we hit 13 and a half, uh, tons per acre for silage, corn silage chopped off. So it was a very low yield on corn. Uh, but soybeans were okay, and that kind of saved us. That kind of saved us, so.
0: So you just, so dairies came in, just bought it standing and
1: took it right out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially
0: probably that year with it being so dry, people are looking for feed.
1: Yeah. Yep. They took everything we had and, uh, you know, that worked out obviously really well. And then we were able to focus on getting the beans off and getting them uh, to a local green guy.
0: Yeah. So is any of the ground you work today still that original 300 that you rented or <laughs> no, no so
1: that was a one-year deal okay so that's what was kind of crazy about it it's like well we're ramping up to do all these acres and it's a one-time deal so we did that and like I say you know we made it through and everything and in the meantime um, Aaron had bought some land and then we were able to find some other people to work with and so that next year I think we had 120 acres so we were down but it was more manageable and you know, we were able to kind of take a step back and be like, "Okay, this is really how we need to approach it," and and it, it's worked out well. And every year, we've been able to pick up acres, either by renting or purchasing, and uh, and subsequently have started renting my parents' property, and so it's uh, working out good so far. Yeah,
0: I'm sure your dad doesn't mind that in a way, kind of keep the ground working but he doesn't have to necessarily be out there and yeah doing it all himself so yep
1: yep he likes uh tinkering with his tractors and doing different things in the <laughs> shop and looking out and seeing us working i'm sure it's kind of enjoyable That's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a
0: good thing to have someone who can fix that equipment up for you if you need it, oh, it 100 percent.
1: yeah yep.
0: yep, so um i guess what's the you have some uh what do you think down the road just keep building on or what's kind of the next thing in line are you hoping to
1: well um i guess to go back to equipment we've added some equipment this year um so kind of due to the coronavirus effects um aaron's main job is a pilot so he hasn't been flying so with his time off we were kind of able to shuffle some priorities and we ended up in the spring buying a sprayer it was kind of on our list of things we wanted to do because we knew that was one thing where we're kind of taking a double hit on expenses. So we're paying a little bit more for some of that accessibility to get them to come out and spray, but then also obviously your rate, your application rate. So if we were able to control when and how it was sprayed, um, obviously that helps us out a lot. It gives us that comfort feeling, we know what's going on, what we're putting down on our fields. And then, you know, if the weather's good, we can be going. We aren't saying, Oh shoot, I wish they were here today, you know. Yeah. And so that kind of propelled us in that direction and you know, and then obviously saving the money on the application rate per acre, we were kind of able to pay a lot of that sprayer off in one year. So it's a self propelled sprayer's got eighty foot booms. Um, 750 gallon tank and so we kind of went with the self-propelled route it's probably a little overkill maybe for our operation but I think it'll work out really well because as we grow obviously it'll help us um, but because we only had the one tractor as well oh so yeah. if we aren't out spraying or vice versa if we are spraying we couldn't be planting, or if we're planning we couldn't be spraying So it kind of made sense to go a self-propelled route. Yeah. So we did that. It's worked out well. We were able to spray, um, you know, all of our spray this spring, and it's worked out really well. And then we were also able to do a side dress application on our corn. We just drop-tubed it through the sprayer. So we were kind of able to get a lot of functionality out of the one piece of equipment. And like you said, that's
0: such a it's a big enough equipment where you can grow into it and it'll still, you know, it's not something in two years going to be swapping in to get double the size.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this was definitely, uh, a new experience for both of us. And, uh, it's, it's been, uh, opening, you know, as far as what we can do and what we can accomplish. And it's been, it's been great. Um, You know, it's 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 really helped us, I think. So,
0: so do you have to get an applicator's license?
1: So for for spray, yes, yeah.
0: So so who was did you? Aaron Aaron got it. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a it's quite a lot. You have to take like tests and everything, don't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. He didn't think it was too bad, so I think we're all we're we're in a good shape. He didn't flunk. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Cheated. (laughs) Just joking, Aaron. You would never do that, right? (laughs) so um but yeah and then being able to drop to to decide dress our corn um was nice too you know kind of gave us put us back in the driver's seat gave us more control
0: yeah yeah This the convenience of not having to wait for someone right yeah
1: and uh you know that's probably the been the hardest part starting out and uh you know it's obviously great relying on other people because they can bring things to the table for you but it also at the same time you know, there's limitations to everything, and, and one of the limitations is sometimes you're waiting. You know, and the weather might be perfect or the corn might be at the perfect stage, and it's like, oh, I just wish you know. But it's like, you know, sometimes you just gotta <laughs> be patient, and yeah. everything works out in the end, anyways. But
0: yeah, do you think there'd ever be a opportunity for you guys to do application for someone oh, else,
1: like some custom work? Yeah,
0: maybe? yeah.
1: Um, possibly yeah possibly it depends so i mean you know it worked out well this year with aaron being off and having time um in the future it's just going to be time constraint probably but um you know it'll be that same kind of thing our stuff will take priority yeah and uh you know we have done some custom stuff um we did some custom corn planting for a farm we did i think it was around 60 acres one year um, they were at capacity. It was, I think it was, uh, 2019, it was a wet spring. And so they were focusing on stuff we had actually finished. So they're like, you know, if we're, you're available, we'd take you. So we were, and we kind of knocked that out. And I think it worked out well. And, you know, so again, it's just cooperation between everybody and, and helping them when they need it and versus, you know, when they help us when we need it. So that's nice.
0: I know we've had conversations before you and I about, um, you know, on our farm, we use a lot of strip till yeah. GPS, yeah. no till. Is that something you're possibly looking at down the road or what?
1: Yeah. So that's one, uh, upgrade we did this year is we did put uh, GPS on our tractor and auto steer. So that's going to help us obviously in the planting aspect of things. And, uh, we do all, um, no-till, or excuse me, not no-till, but, um, oh boy, I'm drawing a blank here. Tillage? Yeah, it's all tillage, but minimal tillage, basically. Okay. So but- um, it's just real quick one pass over all of our corn and bean ground, and it works out really well. It kind of helps, you know, it gets the air to the ground and everything gets it drying out, but kind of one of the bigger benefits is uh, on the soybean ground. We aren't doing a real deep tillage, so in the fall, if it's a little wet or um, ground conditions aren't just perfect, the combine seems to hold up better because we don't have that deep tillage pass. Yeah. That's, so it's it's nice, nicer combining. Yeah, keeping that
0: some of that structure yeah. in that soil. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep, yep. So that's working good. Um, yeah, and as far as the strip till goes, it's definitely intriguing and something, you know, we're going to pursue, I think, Um, you know, just getting all the pieces in place, you know, doing the GPS in the tractor was kind of the first thing. And, you know, I think we could probably potentially find a piece of equipment, strip-till equipment to try out this next spring and and we'll go from there. I know we are going to try no-tilling some soybeans in and different things. So we've got a couple different things in the works, but yeah, anytime we can kind of limit our tillage input costs—that's kind of what we're going for.
0: Yeah, just fuel alone and everything—it's expensive. Yeah, its
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. Destroying that
0: organic matter. Yeah.
1: So you got to hold that. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Washing it all uh, wash away in a big monsoon is is pretty heartbreaking when you see it all no, just going down, you know, down a hillside. Going
0: to the neighbor's field.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah, so we don't have any tillage equipment at the moment. Um, So what we do is, again, the dairy farms that we work with, that we sell crops to, uh, the the one um, comes in and primarily has been doing all of our tillage, so turbo-till pass. So I think there's 30 or 35-foot-wide turbo-till. They come in, and gosh, they just knock stuff out. It's amazing, and it looks beautiful when they're done. You know, They do such a great job. And kind of the crazy part is, is that they work just crazy hours. And so they'll come in and knock out a ton of acres in the middle of the night, and then that next day we can go out and start planting. And, you know, they they really go above and beyond to help us get things in the ground. Yeah. Do
0: they, do they give you <clears> – <throat> well, not give you, but do they apply any manure for you?
1: Yeah. So we work with – right now we're working with two – different dairy farms and it's based basically it's based on location of the fields so one farm does come and they're able to actually pump directly from their farm and they drag line it on and the one farm we did have them do some acreage in the past um but in the more recent years we just haven't it's it's been kind of um again a waiting game for the manure and then time to dry so by that time it's like we're kind of itching to go. So we just, um, put some dry fertilizer down and and go. But obviously manure is always nice to get down.
0: Yeah. Sometimes some of these dairies are just looking for ground to be able to knife it in, get it, get it out and move on. So. Yeah.
1: And so that's kind of the case like at my parents' property. Um, that's where they can direct directly drag line and pump right from their farm. Um, You know, some of those fields are pretty low on phosphorus and different things, so they're able to, you know, offload quite a bit of nutrients onto that farm, where some of their fields closer to their farm, obviously, that they've gone over a lot in the last couple years, maybe kind of high, so they're able to kind of, you know, shift some of their focus on putting that manure on some new ground, which is always great, you know, to kind of get it spread out, and it builds up the base on our property, so
0: yeah yeah was it was the soil and all that in pretty good shape when you guys got the ground or was it yeah yeah yeah. it wasn't much you had to do to get it up to snuff
1: right yeah and the main thing is just i think getting manure on it and then making sure um we're putting our inputs back in that match our obviously outputs you know and uh just you know learning that as far as you know, alfalfa, soybeans, and corn, what each crop takes out of the ground and then what each crop needs to put back in and varying amounts and then based on yields and different things. So it's, it's been, um, you know, a good learning curve.
0: Yeah. What would you say has been the biggest challenge thus far or challenges?
1: Yeah. So probably that as far as our input control and input costs on fertilizer, maybe is kind of where I'm heading towards because obviously you know you can over fertilize and then just kill yourself and cost and I think maybe that was one of our m- bigger mistakes in that first year and uh, that we did that big acreage and you know we kind of weren't exactly sure so we just kind of kept the same program and you know looking back I'm not sure we would have done that same program I'm not saying we wouldn't have but there might have been some things that you know we could have hacked better basically but yeah
0: yeah you, you you live and you learn right it's a it's <laughs> well
1: every you know famous motto is next year is going to be better yeah, yeah. it always <laughs> is it
0: always is Can't... that's why we keep coming back right? yeah 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 but um i guess you must just you know why i know you and aaron got together was there a you know growing up you grew up on your parents' dairy. You've always just kind of been – because, you had, like you said, you had your day job. and Yes, just...
1: and, and uh, you know, grew up on a small dairy farm. My parents milked 40, 50 cows, you know, and uh, they sold them. Well, actually, they, they sold them twice, once in 2000, and then once I think it was like in 2012 or 13 they sold them. So they sold them in 2000, kept the heifers, they sold all the milking cows, and then uh, slowly kind of built the herd back up and different things. And then they sold them again, but sold everything, heifers included. So the barn was empty for like two years, I think, which was kind of crazy. You know, you go into this barn, it's full of animals and life and craziness. And then you go in and it's empty and it's like, wow, this this is different. You know, it was a lot to get used to, but, um, you know, and then start, my dad started cropping it and then working with the local dairies and and, uh, built up some really good relationships with a lot of people. And. It's worked out well for him and everything. And then, you know, in that whole time, I was still working my day job, but then, you know, helping wherever I could and wherever I could. I, you know, it's in your blood, I guess, right? Yeah. And uh, so it was just kind of fun. And, you know, it's being outside, doing different things. And, you know, I love being outside. And it's just kind of comes natural and just was fun to do and something to do, I guess, you know? So it kept going and then just kind of one thing led to another and Aaron came into the family and we started talking and I don't know, just kind of worked out how it's worked out and it's, it's been good.
0: Yeah, now you even, not saying the barns have been empty, but there's some life in yeah. them now, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's-,
1: it's hard to keep cows out of a barn, right? <laughs> At least you don't have to milk these ones, right? Right, yeah, they've milked themselves. Yeah, Yeah, so we got some Angus animals back. Um, So currently, actually, I have six. Christy and I have six uh, Angus in there. And then my dad's got three or four. And then he's actually got some Holstein calves from you Mm -hmm. in the barn. He's got five of them he's raising. He got them this summer. And they're coming along good. And then he's going to raise them up. And then uh, he'll work out a deal with the local dairy farm that's um taking the crops off the ground so it's it's kind of nice he grows up some replacements for them. it's a nice little nice little package deal you know yeah yeah so yeah there's uh there's animals back in the barn but there was a brief a couple years to, yeah <laughs> yeah you, you gotta have something yeah oh yeah it Keeps a barn
0: warm yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does keep the barn warm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yep. actually, you know, they're uh, Angus and they love being outside, but they're they're in they're in the barn now, so they'll be until Aprilish, you know. And so
0: then, do you do you raise them and, and sell the meat, or do you um, do you slaughter some yourself? What do you usually try to do with them?
1: Yeah, so um, when we started, Christy and I got four calves. Two uh, steers and two females. And we just slaughtered the one steer back in February, early March. Actually, right before the coronavirus hit. So it was kind of perfect, absolutely perfect timing. So we filled our freezer with meat, and we were good to go. We didn't sell any of it, um, which we probably could have, but it worked out. We didn't, so it's good. And um, there was one other steer that we just sent to market. He was a, a... runt when he was born and we just kind of, I don't know, he was a Holstein runt. So we just sent him and cashed out on that one. But, yeah. um, the heifers, you know, grew up, they've had calves and now we've got two sets of calves out of them. And, uh, it's, it's, and we did end up buying one calf from Chrissy's sister. Um, her and her husband have two kids and they show cattle. So they had a oh female cross and uh they showed it in 4-h so at the end of their showing season we bought it from them and so that's in the that animal's in the barn so yeah and we actually just bred her last month okay yeah so hopefully uh next fall we'll have four calves running around so (laughs) it should be fun
0: two to four to eight to.
1: T- i know they multiply quicker <laughs> than you think right <laughs> just start a The start will be full again yeah, yeah the barn will be full
0: <laughs> yeah
1: no i don't know we'll keep it to a manageable size yeah yeah and uh but they're fun you know when they have the calves and you see them a couple weeks old and they're out there just ripping around in the pasture and it's funny they'll be running tail up just going crazy and you can see the mothers got their heads up like check and make sure they aren't too far and everything and it's an interesting dynamic
0: i find it uh just amazing the difference between holstein and angus because yeah growing up just holstein and then the last couple of years you start breeding angus and you get these little angus they're like an hour old and they're just sprinting around the pen it's like wow you're a lot more energetic than any whole scene i've ever seen they're
1: beasts too holy cow they're chunky when they come out yeah 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 and you know it's it's they the cows have them fine and and it's it's a really it's a great thing to have on the farm you know because then the calves get right up and start drinking and and you know it's it's a very easy laid back way to have cows on the farm kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah, obviously there's still day to day things to do, but you know, it's 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 a nice way to keep cows around. Yeah, yeah, without
0: like you said, having to be out there twice a day and helping yeah. them. And yeah. Yeah. They can take care of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they get themselves in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. We, we've had a few escapees. Have you had some runaways? <laughs> of course.
0: <laughs> get into the neighbors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep, got into the neighbor's cornfield and had to chase them back. And the worst part was, I guess the one I'm thinking of, three of them went running. And, of course, you you know, it was kind of funny. I come around the corner of the barn and hear three cows standing in the middle of the lawn. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go, you know. I'm like, all right, well, they're still here around the house. That shouldn't be too bad. Well, that didn't last long. And all of a sudden they take off and they're running. And so I jump on the four-wheeler and, you know, and they're going down the down a field i'm just on the road trying to kind of follow along hoping they'd get tired quick you know <laughs> and so they finally kind of stopped and they were out in the cornfield luckily the corn wasn't completely over them but it was pretty tall and, and then a kind of neighbor came by that i know and she helped me and um got them corralled back and it is kind of amazing though you know once you get them Headed back, they know what they're supposed to do and they know where they're supposed oh, to be, yeah. so they go right back where they're supposed to be. But it's like, for that ten minutes of freedom, they're they're gonna go for it and use it, you know. Yeah. So it's it's funny, but yeah, oh yeah, we've chased plenty of animals.
0: <laughs> and luckily, where you get where where the barn is, where your parents are, there's the road is yeah. no traffic, so right, like you don't have yeah. to worry about anyone coming. Yep. So yep.
1: that's that's very good. Yeah, there's no big trucks or no real big traffic that you have to worry yeah. about too much and that helps a lot yeah different
0: story here <laughs> yeah oh yeah, man yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah no the when you said that you saw the three cows out and you're like oh this won't be bad those are the famous last words. you never say them uh, until they're in the barn I and locked know. up
1: well so that was the worst part as i was there alone and uh you know i quickly made some phone calls and people nobody was super close and i was like ah, all right well i'll try and hold them here but you know <laughs> <laughs> hope faded pretty quick yeah and uh you know like i say that i was able to keep them from going terribly far and then neighbor came can kind of helped me corral them back
0: our you know you know our cows go out in the summer they graze yeah. every day yeah if they get out of the barn and onto the lawn you would swear they've never been out a yeah. single day in their life <laughs> they run and jump and it's like the only difference is you're on that side of the fence now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's the big difference? The di- grass is just as green over yeah. here as it was in the past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we yeah. had, oh,
0: this must have been three, four summers ago. We had a bunch get out and we have a freshwater pond at our farm and they went up. I well, I didn't chase them. They got out of the barn and went beeline towards the pond. You had to kind of go up to the top of the pond. It's like a hill. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just run around one side of the pond, and I'll cut him off, and I'll drive him back. Yeah. Well, I had about three of them go down into the pond and swim around. <laughs> Never seen that before. <laughs> Cows can swim. Yeah. yeah. They, just, I don't know what they have. You know, they just have those claws. Right. I don't know what they're using to – but they got their heads up in the air, and they – uh and then they got and well, I'm like, oh, wow, they can swim. That's yeah. that's that's New good story, to know. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm glad they can swim. <laughs> right, yeah. And then they start climbing out. And, of course, then they're, like, getting sucked. You know, they're so heavy, they're going into the mud. Yeah. I'm like, oh, now they're not going to be able to get up. <laughs> and they're going to fall backwards. And they pulled themselves right yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I guess they just wanted to cool off. <laughs> and we had in the winter time. this was a long time ago, the pond had froze over. And they got out in the middle of the night. And when my parents came out to milk that morning, cows are out, tracks everywhere all over the lawn. They get them in the barn. And it was either later that day once the sun came up, they ran across a pond.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yes, that's yeah, scary. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Right, yeah. You oh. wouldn't ever think to go anywhere near that, you know what I mean, if, yeah. if there was an issue. Yeah.
0: I mean, imagine. I don't know how. A lot. It was a path of hooves, so... Thank God that ice was thick enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, as you know, when we were younger, there was a lot more small farms around, obviously, and everything. So there would definitely be summer nights where you'd wake up and there's cows out in your um, lawn or out around you. And they might not have been your cows, you know. It could have been from the neighboring (laughs) farm or something. And it's like, all right, you know, whose are these? (laughs) So, it was always interesting, that's for sure, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: so, I guess more on growing up, what, you know, what was it like growing up on a dairy, and I guess, you know, what, because you were on the dairy, went out, you know, non-agricultural job, was there, you know, did you learn a lot from working on a dairy, you think, growing up? Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't think, you know, looking back, I think it was the best thing for myself as far as propelling me into I guess who I am today but like propelling me to just kind of really show what it really takes to kind of you know be just really effective at something you know and uh growing up geez it was you know there was a lot of uh days as a kid you would rather be inside and playing video games or something And, uh, but, you know, I wouldn't trade it at all because, you know, it was just, you know, you learn to appreciate being outside and love being outside and, and just the weather and, and, uh, just, yeah, just being outside. And then the animals too, obviously, um, you know, it's funny. They all have their own personalities, (laughs) I'm sure, as you know, Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of fun. You have your favorites and, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. So I won't trade it, yeah.
0: And growing up with siblings on a farm, you yeah. had to learn to, well, you're one of the, ol... yeah, you're the one of the older. Well, no. I guess oh, now no, you're no, you're I'm third. Third, third yeah. out of four, yeah. I always forget, yeah. So yeah. F- for those who don't know, we're cousins. Yeah, we first, are. Yeah, so Marty's <laughs> mom and my dad are brother and sister. Yes. So we grew up together.
1: Yep and uh, a lot of fun family get-togethers yes, together so, so that's kind of what's interesting about doing this with you in 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 here and in this kitchen you know it's <laughs> like man we, we grew up in this kitchen and now we're doing different things but it's 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 really neat to yeah do that
0: yeah so this is my our our grandmother's house yeah she passed away i moved into it so
1: yeah it's uh that's yeah. neat though continuing the family
0: yeah, like way too many rooms for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. My cat <laughs> occupies the upstairs.
1: <laughs> Gotta get more cats then. Uh No, no, no. Oh.
0: One is plenty. Yeah, one is yeah. enough.
1: Yeah. What? No. So, but yeah. So, um, I guess the kind of thing that turned me off from um being a full time farmer and milking and and uh, being dairy and everything. I guess kind of was um, the everyday um, routine of it. You know, seven days a week, Christmas, you know, everything. You're out there, you you know, you got to milk the cows twice a day, sometimes, you know, some farms three times a day. And so I think that kind of turned me off. And then, you know, as, as much as I love being outdoors, the fighting of the weather kind of, turned me off to an extent too because i'm you know the funny thing about farming i think especially dairy is uh you would think winter would be a slow time but it just seems like the cold days you're just fighting everything so bad you know everything's froze up everything's just nothing wants to start and it just was a lot of a lot of pain in the butt <laughs> but um so i think that's maybe what turned me towards the doing something different for a day job but I actually so um, my older brother Brian which I'm sure a lot of people know is an electrician he was in electrician's class in Bosey's and so we went there so I was 8th or ninth grade and so we went there for the Bosey's open house and see what he was working on and different things And so we toured it and went around the different classrooms. And I knew a couple of them going on and stuff. But then we kind of came across the machining welding class, so metalworking. And, boy, I don't know. It just something clicked, and uh, I thought that was awesome. And I wanted to do it, and I ended up going to BOCES for that. And then I ended up going to Alfred State for machining for two years and then got out and started working at a local – mold building company. So we actually built the plastic injection mold. So um, basically take a chunk of steel and cut it however, whatever shape you need to. So basically you're cutting out the plastic part shape. So let's say you want to mold a bottle. So then you got to cut like that half round out of a piece of steel so that you can inject plastic in to then form that shape, right? So, I started working there, um, learning a lot. And and you know, the nice thing about that was the variety. So there was a ton of variety, and I loved that because you know it's you weren't doing the same thing every day. Um, and it was a lot of different, challenging things all the time. And that was kind of kept pushing myself and um, made me progress, which was just you know it was a nice nice way to go through it and learn and stuff so i did that for a couple years actually decided i wanted some more schooling so i went back to school um for like 3d design cad modeling so programs like solidworks pro engineer um so went back and did that for two years got an associate's degree there and then actually went back and the same place and kept working and changed positions obviously a little bit and so I was more um, into the design things and um, computer side of things and uh, but again the nice thing was that I was able to do that computer work but then I was also able to go back out on the manufacturing floor and build and work and build what i had just designed which was awesome you know yeah. I, I i really liked that because i was so involved and so ingrained because i was actually in there designing the stuff and in you know integral part of getting this thing worked out on the computer before it ever gets out you know steel gets cut so it was kind of nice it came you know it was, i was completely involved from start to finish and it was nice i enjoyed that
0: is that pretty I don't know if you say rare, but is that typically not how it works? Like the designer passes it off, and he only finds out if there's he needs a redesign. He doesn't actually go on and assist.
1: Yeah, I, th- yeah, I would say yes. Um, it was kind of a unique situation. So there was myself and my boss, and my boss was the other designer. And you know he would come out and help on the floor, but he was the main main designer, and I was kind of like. Uh, I would, I was still doing a lot of design, but he was like uh, full time, but that also allowed me to, um, do both and juggle kind of all those tasks. And I liked it because if I designed something and then out on the floor, something wasn't right, it was like, okay, well, that was a lesson learned. And the next time, you know, I kind of knew better. So the mistakes were maybe more in my face because I was actually out there working through them kind of thing, I guess. So for me personally, um, it was great. You know, I, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's kind of going back just a little
1: bit, but, yeah. um,
0: the whole, uh, going to BOCES for, you know, young, young people, in high school, yeah. do you think it's a good, uh, you know, a great you know i always thought it's a great path to go if you aren't a huge you know don't want to go to college but you want to learn a skill yeah
1: so i would promote it even if you wanted to go to college so let's say you know electricians class is great small engines heavy equipment there's computer classes so any of that stuff even the machining and welding right so any of that stuff is a life skill you're going to take with you for the rest of your life so if you want to know how to wire up an outlet, if, or if you want to know how to wire up a ceiling fan or change a light, or if you know, want to know how to weld something, machine something, if you want to know how to work on heavy equipment repair, you know, even just understanding electrical, understanding heavy equipment repair, understanding computer programs and different things. And carpentry was another big one, so if, you know, to do something simple carpentry, you know they, all those skills that you would learn, obviously you're going to have the rest of your life. And I think you can tell, and like, it's so hard to find people that you can have come into your house and do that type of stuff for you. So if you can do some of that, um, maybe easier stuff, you know, that's, that's super beneficial. So I would promote that wholeheartedly, whether you're going to college or not. I think those are life skills that are irreplaceable. Yeah, I I agree
0: 100%. I yeah. And there's a lot of I mean, look at your brother Brian like yeah. if you're good at a skill, you can be very successful. Yeah, you
1: can you can create your own path and uh, you know, you you uh kind of push yourself and and really get to your full potential and there is just unlimited opportunity out there in any direction I really feel like, you know, and it's just yeah you can write your own way kind of thing it's it's life skills but if you're really good at them yeah take full advantage of it
0: yeah especially if i mean you look at everyday farm stuff yeah just uh you know we have a guy who works for us chris and he went to both seas i'm trying to think what he went for drawing a blank it was i don't think his boces offered like heavy equipment But that's what he's good at and yeah he can fix anything yeah. he might go for carpenter or something like that mm-hmm. that's just you know stuff like that yeah it's just like you said It applies everywhere
1: yeah yeah it really does so it's great background information to to really have a handle on you know yeah it's cool i i'm i'm super glad i went and uh don't regret it at all obviously because i'm in the industry today
0: yeah yeah And you're still so now today you work for,
1: um, Tussy. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, so I'm a toolmaker machinist there. Um, So I am involved in producing spare components, um, repair components, fixing um, issues related to downtime. So if a mold goes down, um, maybe they need a quick turnaround. They'll involve me. So a lot of that is uh, in house, obviously. So they've got partners and obviously outside vendors that they could ship that work to. But if they can keep it in-house, obviously we can turn around sometimes a lot quicker and uh, save some money sometimes. And it helps, I think, um, you know, we can have that face-to-face interaction with the people that are in charge of the tooling where maybe they wouldn't have that face-to-face interaction with an outside vendor because that outside vendor could be... In anywhere in the U.S. or um, Europe or Asia or wherever, you know, so some of that logistically, it works really well having us in house. And you were,
0: you guys are pretty busy this summer, spring with COVID stuff, yeah. are not you?
1: Yeah, that actually kept us uh, real busy. We weren't sure, obviously, like everyone, I'm sure, we weren't sure what was going to happen. It, uh, it kept us super busy. <laughs> And uh, a lot of work and, you know, a lot of people, you know, credit goes out to a lot of people that stepped up and, and helped out a lot and did, did an amazing amount of work in a short period of time and really, really pushed, pushed through a lot. Cause you were building like kits, weren't you? Yeah, Tests. we were doing, yeah, we were doing a, um, a quick test and, um, you know, it goes from. We were, I think we were building some and then it goes to building a lot. And obviously, you know, the thing about a mold. So when I worked at my original, um, company, it, it takes months to build a tool generally. And, you know, prototype tools, one, one cavity prototype tools, you can build fairly quick, but you know, you get a, a mold that's just going to make 32 parts every I don't know, let's say 15 seconds, right? So that's 32 parts over 15 seconds, but there's a lot of infrastructure. There's a lot of steel there. So you could be talking 12, 15 week build time. So even at best case, you know, you're talking three months just for tooling and then you got to get the actual molding facility ready and stuff. So it is a huge undertaking for, it's not like you can just quickly turn it around. So like I say, when I say there was a lot of people that worked really hard the summer, there was. And uh that I think that may be what's so interesting about manufacturing is you don't necessarily hear about what's manufactured locally, but it is amazing the amount of stuff that is manufactured lo- locally that has a global impact. And it's not just this coronavirus stuff. I mean there are companies that just produce stuff that's that's just really really nice, and it's it's really nice for the local economy, you know. Um, so it's 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 pretty cool. Manufacturing is is definitely awesome to know what these local companies are doing. Yeah, it's good
0: good to have them too. A lot of good jobs, and
1: yeah, a lot of good jobs, and obviously, you know, that kind of spreads out into the community too. You know, keep dollars local and everything.
0: Is there a, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about injection
1: molding, but (laughs) is there,
0: you know, you always talk about, you know, farming's always moving more, you know, getting more and more advanced. Is there any sort of cool technology and like your line of work, like that is kind of neat
1: or? Well, so I'm not super involved in maybe some of like um, the R and D type of stuff, I guess. But I, th- I think just from an industry, you know, obviously plastics are a negative impact to an extent on the environment. So I think they're trying, and not, I'm not saying our company specifically, but the industry itself is trying to find alternatives like de- um, biodegradable components to make parts out of and stuff like that. So I think that's probably a bigger push to where things are going. Um, you know, 3d printing has changed stuff, but not drastically, I guess, you know, in prototype things, one-off things, um, R and D development, it's definitely changed things because now you can 3d print some things and, uh, have, you know, things in your hand to hold pretty quick, which is nice rather than just having a model on the computer that, you know, a model on the Mm -hmm. computer is great, but having something in your hand is even better. Yeah. So that's where three D printers come in, but volume, major production, three um, D printing is not there yet.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I thought I know um, some people when I was at school who were three D printers, and mm-hmm. I guess I thought it'd be more of a big thing by now. But is it? It's just it's kind of it's dragging its sup- feet, or what, no, it just
1: it's just super early. I think still um, the range of materials is kind of limited so like you know when I talk about steel when I talk about plastics there's different grades of both so you know you're going to have all different kind of steels like you know you'll have steel and you have know, stainless steels but then we have tool steels that are specific for making molds out of and different things and that all has to do with durability factors um so some plastics you know can be abrasive some plastics can be um kind of toxic in a way to the steel can corrode the steel and uh so depending on the different plastics you you might make different steels to it to for longevity reasons to build the mold out of okay do you ever think
0: i've always thought like down the road if everyone had a 3d printer in their house Mm -hmm. You wouldn't go on Amazon and buy something and ship it. You'd have a <laughs> website. I always thought, you know, possibly right. You know, like you go to a website, you buy the, the specs. Yeah. And you it costs you twenty bucks to buy a spec for blah 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 so, and then you print it out. I do you think that's anything that possibly could happen down the road?
1: The only thing so I don't know because generally when you buy something, um it's filled with something, right? So there's you're buying the plastic is a container oh, contains yeah. something right so i think that's gonna be kind of the thing you know what i mean you're never gonna i mean some i suppose you know so a perfect example um i have a good buddy that 3d printed some parts for me and he <clears throat> needed a 3d he needed a part for something a washing machine or something and it was like a little gear thing so he just designed it you know and uh printed it and he said he had to go through a couple iterations but it worked (laughs) out and you know that's part of the fun of it too you know if i made because to that point you could make something better than original equipment right so it's like oh this broke but if i did this and this and this that would make it better and it shouldn't break now so that's kind of the cool part of the 3d printing is you can improve on a design and maybe get more longevity or something out of it you know so there are definitely applications. Three D printing's cool, but production-wise, it's not there yet. Okay, but S- you know, it's it's early still. So, yeah.
0: well, like anything else, wait wait ten years and
1: it'll yeah. be a different story. Yeah, we'll talk
0: again in ten years, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: See where we're at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if this is
0: going ten years from now. Then, <laughs> if I'm yeah. still doing it here in the kitchen, I'll yeah. Have a, a lot of interviews. Yeah, are,
1: you'll you'll be on episode. I don't know how many. <laughs> yeah, I'll be catching up to.
0: Well, no, I'll be at where Joe and maybe where Joe Rogan right, is now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Jeepers. laughs> but yeah. So I guess this is kind of changing gears a little bit. If you were to, yeah. this question I try to ask everyone that I've had on so far, but okay. it's kind of different because you have like a day job. Yeah. You're, but if you didn't have let's say no agriculture yeah no agriculture upbringing yeah and you weren't doing what you're doing yeah what do you think you would like to just you know what would be a fun cool thing that like man that
1: would so I guess I would say something possibly financially like uh, stocks something like that I, I you know since high school I've kind of enjoyed looking into that researching that and different things so probably something in that line I guess I do dabble a little bit <laughs> when I when I feel brave but yeah. you know uh, yeah I, I do like that like I say doing the research looking at the different companies um, I always find it fascinating that you know stocks um, it just seems like each company they, they behave so differently you know and it, you know their product obviously dictates a lot of things, but also management, and there's so many factors that kind of play into it, and each makes each one unique. So that I guess that's kind of interesting, and I, I suppose to an extent, I'm doing it now, but through marketing our soybeans. So you know, kind of constantly looking at bean prices and futures and different things like that on that, and uh, you know, I've definitely got some things to learn still as far as um setting up contracts and uh different things like that with our local grain buyer um but yeah it would be something something with that
0: yeah, yeah. doing the the marketing soybeans that's kind of that that got tossed over to you or does aaron help you as well is that no, mostly just you you know it's that definitely
1: up? no it's definitely a combination um he does a lot and uh you know he is uh great about digging into stuff too so it works out really well and it makes it a little bit easier because we have you know Dumont grain right there mm-hmm. um so we pretty much just send all of our beans there and you know he's been very good helping us out so that's a massive <laughs> this, yeah <laughs> yeah And it's getting bigger over here which which just help you know helps all the uh hopefully gonna help all the local soybean and corn grain farms around and and boost prices up because he's going to be crushing and and grinding so much so yeah it's unreal that place you'll you'll, if you get brian on here you'll get a full in-depth yeah he basically he
0: basically from electrical standpoint he did how much of that wired up i mean not just himself but he was oversaw
1: oh yeah yeah unreal
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> unreal I, he has yeah. to, he should send me pictures and i'll try to put like on the youtube feed i could probably yeah. show pictures of the stuff he did it's unreal
1: yeah yeah the, the uh the size and scope of it is uh is pretty massive
0: and when he was showing me he was showing uh i think it was not this easter yeah because no we couldn't get together for easter i think it was easter at the thanksgiving before 2019 yeah yeah sam lily and yep. i went because sam's doing a electrical now in the army yeah yeah and we went and looked at dumond's and brian's like yeah this place is kind of like no one had done anything <laughs> like this quite before and it was right, like
1: yeah
0: they were setting it up and design it was all kind of going in and trying to figure out how it was going to work on the fly, on fly. An, yeah 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 so yeah, it's, but ad- it's, it's worked out really well
1: i think you know Yeah. And it's changed a lot even since probably you've been there, you know, with their, uh, new facilities and different things. And, you know, it works out really well. They're open a lot. So, you know, the, during the daytime hours that we're harvesting beans, we're able to go up there and drop our beans off. And, um, you know, we can unload really quick. They've gotten really good in the last year or two, as far as getting trucks through there. And, uh, you know, getting them offloaded and getting the next one right in there. And so the weight's not, not bad. And, uh, so it works out really well. And then what we were doing this year, particularly is, um, when they were closed or not accepting beans, but the weather was still right. And we're still combining. We would then take that and dump that into the bin at my parents. And so that allowed us to keep going on hours that we normally wouldn't have been able to keep going. And it was super productive super productive we had um about 200 acres of soybeans this year which was more than we've ever had and it went pretty smooth i mean a couple mechanicals but um nothing major and you know again we that's another um, area that we rely on outside help with so we have um a local guy and friend come and he combines all our beans for us and he is fantastic and he works crazy hours. <laughs> we'll work all night. And he, you know, he's in the same, it's kind of nice. Cause it's, we're all in the, we're all in it together because he's got a day job too. So he gets out, I get out and you know, it's like, all right, let's hit the ground running and get going. And you know, we'll get trucks lined up. You get, you know, get the combine going and you know, it works out really well. So, uh, you know, luckily this fall we didn't have to dodge too many raindrops few here and there but many to die yeah no we, we were lucked out really pretty well and so harvest went pretty good went fairly smooth and like i say we were able to you know with the combination of my parents bin and dumans you know we were able to keep trucks loaded unloaded pretty pretty smooth and everything went really well
0: do you think the key down the road will be having more of your own bins eventually or a dryer or so, something or?
1: yeah i mean that's kind of a debate, I guess, or could be up for debate. So the nice thing about taking the beans right to, um, Dumont's is that then they're there, they're delivered. Um, if we don't sell them or don't have a contract to sell them right away, we pay a storage fee. It's not terrible. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world to pay that and then hold them until a better price comes along um but it is nice having a bin to store some in as well um for you know for a couple reasons obviously for unloading trucks when Dumonts aren't open and then um you know it it gives us more control again on things but having them in our own bin means that we then got to pull them back out and then drive them again which isn't a big deal but it's just another time constraint thing you know
0: and probably having the a having the bin probably helps, like, he's, you know, in terms of price-wise, if, you know, everyone's sending beans at once, mm-hmm. there's a lot of them, mm-hmm. you might not get the price that where you wait till February, March, or even later, you know, in summertime when right. the storage of beans is getting lower and yeah you for sure offload them then right
1: but, for sure and and you know um it didn't happen this year but in past years you know when bin space was tight and maybe they you know they were like running low on bin space and it's like oh geez you know we got a couple more truck loads hopefully you can fit them and it's like and then in this case that wouldn't be a problem you know so i think that helps too
0: so when marty's not working what is <laughs> marty doing
1: working i think <laughs> if you ask chrissy right <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have your own machine shop don't you yeah. at your house yeah you just yeah. build it right
1: yeah so i got a pole barn at my house um and i've just this spring bought a uh, fairly sizable cnc mill and put in there and so I, what's, what's that
0: what's a cnc mill
1: so <laughs> it's a sure. machine that cuts steel on so it's gonna be um it's computer um controlled machine so basically i put a piece down on a table a cutter comes down and then like i program it to cut the shape out that i want so yeah it works out really well um it's something i've needed to do for the last couple years and i finally did it this spring so it's working out very well you're just
0: doing stuff on the side or is that your own fun or what have you
1: been doing with that or you cannot or can't say no i can say (laughs) No it's both. Um, so I do some fun projects. Um, I got a local business that I work with and so that started oh geez quite a few years ago maybe 2010 and I was racing four wheelers a lot hair scrambles and so I was breaking a lot of parts so I needed parts. So I got together with a guy um, in Savannah Stunner X and he makes uh, custom motorcycles and so he builds full frames um tubular f- steel frames and swing arms and different accessories for um stunts stunt scene. so like uh people that are doing stunt competitions on motorcycles so he had availability of four-wheeler parts and i had availability of machining parts for him and so we clicked and it's been great ever since So I make uh, custom motorcycle parts, and I'll do some ag stuff on the side and different things. Like um, my dad is working on a John Deere um, R, and it's a two-cylinder older. It's a 1949 tractor. So he's putting new crank bearings in it, and the bearings have to be sized to the crank. So I board them out to the right size for them and everything. And so I'll do stuff like that, turn down shafts every once in a while. You know, if a bearing rides on a shaft and wears it out, we'll weld it up and I'll turn it down. and um, Different little projects like that. So, yeah, so I got that machine shop at my house. Uh, got the beef cows, got the farm, got my day job. So I stay busy. You're busy. Yeah. You, yeah. You've
0: retired from hair scramble. You still do some <laughs> yeah. snowmobiling, four wheeling, yep. all that, I, right? Yeah,
1: I'm waiting to get some snow so we can go snowmobiling. It's all melting now. I know. It's sad. But, Did you
0: okay. go out or is it still. No, I.
1: No. So trails actually just opened Tuesday night because um, snowmobile trails open after hunting season. Mm-hmm. So they just opened up and I never really got out, which was fine still early so as far as the hair scramble racing goes i did do one this year um it went fine
0: (laughs) oh you did one
1: yeah i didn't know that yep where Um, was where was that at it was in pavilion new york oh yeah, yeah pavilion mx there's a motocross track out there so there's three um it's pavilion mx area 51 mx and then um hogback hill they do a fall hair scramble series and it's three races it's a little series it's it's awesome it's a blast to do and so i went out there and did that one and it was fun and i was very sore afterwards <laughs> hence <laughs> but, why you do
0: one a year <laughs> Well,
1: i'd love to do more but over oh, right. you oh yeah, yeah. Oh, i would love to do a full series again so the new york there's a new york state off road association in iowa and uh they i their schedule's out for 2021 and i think it's Twelve or thirteen events, so I'd love to do it, but I don't know if I will. It's it's a it's a big it's kind of a big commitment. It's a blast to do. I have a ton of fun doing it, but it's a big commitment. Yeah. Between
0: repairs and, and just yeah. keeping everything it's, and travel, yeah. And everything. So
1: 2015 was the last year I, I did a full season, and so that was I think I ended up doing 15 or 16 races that year, which was. A full plate of races, you know, and I had built a brand new quad that winter before. So 2014 and 15, I bought a Honda 450, um, ripped it down bare frame, built, you know, gusted it, did everything I needed to do to make it withstand the torture races and uh, built it back up and had a fresh brand new basically race purpose quad built and uh it did me very well and it held together really well so um that would be the level i would need to go to again i've been looking but it's hard to find a good clean quad (laughs) if anyone has one i'm looking (laughs) so yeah
0: message you on facebook right yeah martin cornell on facebook send him a message yeah
1: yeah um i would love to do another build um they're fun
0: i didn't realize the last time you did it you actually stripped the quad all the way down and built it back up
1: yeah yeah so to get a good reliable uh quad that's gonna and even then i so i didn't i went into the motor um and transmission had that kind of looked at that year that winter and uh but i didn't do a full rebuild well, after hmm, ten races, nine races, I was in the middle of a race, and I remember this. This funny. So I'm on this real long downhill, and next thing I know is I I can hear my motor getting loud, like it's making like a knocking noise, you yeah. know. And I'm like, ooh, that's not healthy sounding. And I was midway through the race. So the hair scramble races, um, locally in New York State, they're a minimum of an hour and a half long. So it's gonna be anywhere from like a seven to thirteen mile loop. Through uh, woods, through, fields, yeah, everything yeah. R- rivers, hills, rough terrain, rocks, boulders, <laughs> <laughs> torture dust.
0: other other four-wheelers. Other four wheelers, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <Are> they wipe out <laughs> Yeah, which I've done myself. Yeah, they become an obstacle yeah. too. <laughs> and uh yeah, so I was going down this downhill oh man that does not sound good and i'm like shoot I'm, I'm i'm like on my second out of four laps or something and i'm like all right so it's time to limit my uh high rpm mode and conserve it and i, I was lucky i made it through i finished the race and i got home and pulled the oil filter out and i had all these brass shavings in it mm. and i was like oh yeah that's that's a crank going so and that was in the middle of. Oh, boy, that was in the middle of a seven-race streak, I think. So every Sunday for seven weeks, obviously, was a race. So race raced there on Sunday, and uh, which is a lot. Usually you have two or three in a row, and then you have a couple weeks off to repair stuff, right? So I was like, all right, well, let's do it. So I tore it down and put a crank in it and got it back together. And I think I did end up missing one race, but I think it worked out really well because... That weekend happened to be my brother Brian's wedding. Oh. Brian and Emily got married that weekend, so it worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't going to make that. Probably run. wouldn't have gone over very well <laughs> had you gone the other way. Yeah. yeah. So it worked out fantastic. The wedding was a blast, and uh, I it had was. a blast. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got her back together and finished out the season, and it, it worked out really well. But, yeah, so the races are, like I said, an hour and a half long minimum. Um, I've been out there a lot longer, um, but it is a torture test and it's a lot of fun. So at the end of the season though, I mean, you're, you're just junk quads junk. I mean, it's beat, it's beat, but it's fun to do. Yeah. All for a wooden plaque. <laughs> Hanging on the wall. Yeah.
0: They don't give you a tall trophy. Uh,
1: yeah. Th- <laughs> yeah. So that's, if you're doing a, if you're doing the, which in 2015 I was, I was doing it for points, right? Okay. So points racing. So I was trying to uh win the my class I was in. So yeah, at the end of the year I ended up finishing second in class and I think I was um thirteenth overall is out of I don't know, hundred and eighty, two hundred. Wow. Yeah, so I I had a pretty good year and uh um it was a lot of fun it was a blast
0: yeah I remember you used to have there was a Harris scramble right here in Cortland and yeah, we would go over st- to
1: yeah they still have one in Cortland it's in a little bit different location but yeah they still have them nice. in Moravia there's a, a a really nice one in Moravia Twisted Fence XC it's called and I love that place I love the dirt the terrain there is is fantastic it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. I didn't race it this year though <laughs> last year okay yeah um. yeah so it's it's uh so that's kind of probably one of my bigger hobbies, and again, that gets me outside it gets me in the woods um and gets me outside and gets gets me some fresh air, i guess, and uh I enjoy all that,
0: and it's always uh you know it's kind of with your job of building and rebuilding it's the same theme even through yeah, if, it, kind you of know, is, it's, yeah. it just shows you how much you love doing
1: that. Yeah, mechanical stuff, I guess you know, yeah. and and, uh, and actually to that point, I uh, I've had different opportunities to do different things um, as far as careers go over the years, and it's always kind of came back to, geez, I just I just really like uh, working with my hands, being involved, um, digging into stuff, and uh, and and variety and different things like that. So it's it's uh, it's hasn't steered me wrong yet. I
0: think i know where you get that from though oh yeah uh-oh <laughs> your dad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's yeah. the one we'd be at the hair scrambles and your mom or sister of you where's where's lloyd <laughs> He's over in the hedgerow looking at some old tractor. It's oh, yeah. Oh, that was the
1: best part of it, though. You're out on these old farms, and it's like, man, you know, I can, the, in particular that and race, of, Knobby Acres. Yeah, Knobby Acres. And at one of the events, man, I remember, like, you're out in the middle of the woods, and next thing you know, you're racing around some old combine that's parked in the middle of the woods or <laughs> racing around some old wagon or something. It's like... This thing has been here for a very long time. It's cool to just be out in there racing around it and stuff, you know. It's it's, it's interesting and yeah, but yeah, Dad would be in there all over that stuff. And yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of treasures out there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But some of the farms, yeah, you were you were racing around in between everything. You know, you'd go through old barns. They would divert you through, and you know, you know, you're going through pastures, so you're throwing. Commodore everywhere <laughs> dodge the cows yeah yep there you, go. Uh-huh. They, you know and surprisingly as loud and obnoxious as four-wheelers and dirt bikes and everything are um cows were cool they were good with it you'd be racing right alongside them and they'd be in the pasture you know the only thing separating you was a fence and maybe 15 20 feet and they don't care they're just they're hanging out grazing and doing it's their thing used to it yeah i guess so yeah yeah it's kind of like at home we're doing a lot of construction projects
0: with our manure system and yeah the amount of noise and bang bang yeah bulldozers excavators you know concrete trucks and at first they're all skittish and then yeah. after a little while there's eh, just just Normal another wise, day yeah, 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 no, yeah nothing yeah. nothing new so. yeah
1: but huh. yeah that's cool so yeah i don't know i mean i like the hair one like that like I say, i still got my race bike that I've got. Um, it's in pretty decent shape. Um, I could use a few things here and there. And I've got, like, a project quad that I've been working on forever. And uh, it's a kind of a pet project of mine. But tinker on it when I get time and go from there. But, yeah.
0: Cool. So yeah. I guess one more question. Shoot. <laughs> um, if you could tell the public something about farming that you think might be misconstrued or mm. not always uh, people paint it in a light that's not accurate. You know, what's, I guess, I guess I'm not really making any sense. No, you're good. I, <laughs> I understand guess, what you're Yeah. What, what would you say to people out there that might, they might see something you're doing with your crop farm? Yeah. They drive by wise, you know, what, what's the kind of message you have for the public?
1: Um, Maybe, like, I guess, uh, like inputs, I guess. Maybe, like, your fertilizers and your manure and stuff. It's like you, you do have a certain amount of nutrients and um, different things that you're pulling out of the soil every year, every crop. And so you do have a need to maintain that soil, keep that soil base built up. And, uh, so just a lot of work goes into maintaining the ground and the land because, you know, you aren't out there obviously doing it for nothing, but at the same time you are a steward of the land. And a lot of that is like, uh, like we were talking earlier, the turbo tilling, the minimal, uh, minimal till, um, strip tilling, all that type of stuff, because, you know, that topsoil, you've worked many years to um, build up to a level that's going to sustain your farm and keep your crops coming year after year. So obviously you don't want that going anywhere. Um, So I think some practices like that, that are really kind of coming to the forefront over the last maybe 10 or 15 years that weren't there. So like, uh, you know, getting away from the moldboard plowing where you're completely turning over the ground, six, eight inches deep, um, real deep chisel plowing and stuff like that. Um, and you, I'm sure you can speak to this too. Like just what we're trying to do is <clears throat> grow a crop that obviously, yes, we can make some money on, but, um, that's going to help feed the world, feed animals but also be responsible and you know take care of this land that is in return taking care of us back you know and I think that's maybe lost at times because it's it's hard to understand or hard to see that and yeah I mean what we do maybe not is not 100% what we should be doing but you know I feel like <clears throat> we're we're doing a lot as far as trying to progress that every year, and and keep pushing. And uh, I guess you know that's kind of what I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's
1: a good way to put it. We're always trying to improve. Yeah, because you know that does mean so much to us, and uh, you know you you know those when the rivers are muddy or whatever it's like there goes all the soil and you know that's the last thing you want to see is is that is that leaving your farm you know
0: yeah like you said you spend years (coughs) building
1: that up and then to watch it all run away is right so cover you know we used to cover crops and different things and um you know keeping your fields you know separated out so that you have uh Buffers, buffer zones, and stuff yep. like that to catch and, and different things. Sod areas. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Strips. Yeah, and uh, you know, the cover crops I think has come a long way, and and that's helped a lot. And um, I think that's only going to get better as the years go on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I guess that's what I would have to say. All right. <laughs> cool. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Well. I don't think that works out. Yeah. Well Marty. Is there, there anything you have to ask me? Uh I don't know. I feel like we're I think pretty think we cover I
0: think we covered it all. So all right. unless like I said, unless you have something else you wanna say, it's your heart desires to get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like all we've done is talk about me, so No, no, no. that's what
0: <laughs> hey, this is what it's about. It's about people I mean I know getting to know the guests who's on. I mean over time people get to know me and Right, so. yeah. I'm yeah. on here every time. They want to hear well, you, not yeah. me. So you still have a story to tell too No, oh, That's I, I find other people's <laughs> stories much more interesting than mine.
1: <laughs> oh, but I find your story interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I,
0: mean, I think what I'd like to do at some point is like get my, you know, mom and dad on oh, separately. You have to. And then you have that's to. where you really get you know, especially my dad with the yeah. carry side and Yes. And yep. you
1: know. Yeah. So he grew up on the farm and then took it over mm-hmm. and then you grew up on the farm and now you're taking it over yeah. so he would have a lot of insight yeah he has years you know of <clears throat> yeah knowledge of knowledge and yeah. yeah
0: that i might know like in terms of history he yeah. just knows the history way better and i'd you know yeah. what would be cool is if grandma who lived here was still alive because she was she yeah. I mean when she died she was ninety but she could remember oh, she would tell goodness, me stories yeah. from the forties and fifties yeah. and it was like it happened yeah. yesterday. It was yeah. unreal. Yeah
1: it's super interesting for sure. So but wow uh, Yeah, so I do have one question that yeah. now that sparks it up. So <clears throat> in this format, are you gonna keep um it to keeping guests coming on or are you gonna do any kind of um videos like and spring planting or hay harvesting or anything like that, do you think you would expand to anything like that eventually? I mean, the only thing with that I think is it's super time consuming, and you're, I'm sure, a busy guy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I think like my dad's asked me like, oh, you may, you know, maybe you should try and do a like a farm tour video, which I could. I think there are other
1: maybe avenues a little bit here and there. Yeah, you could do an equipment tour, a barn tour, an animal tour, or something like that.
0: Yeah, or even if like someone I'm having on has a video mm-hmm. of their own farm doing stuff, and right? Yeah, you know. But I like this the best. This yeah. is fun. <laughs> this is a lot of fun. Like yeah, yeah, filming yeah. and doing tours, that's fun. But yeah. it's like this is I really enjoy doing the one-on-one the One. for sure. So, but yeah, I might expand it. I'll see what happens. Like you said, it's easy to do this now in the winter because. It's not like we have to be out there till nine, ten right, at night yeah. doing crops. So right, for sure. It's a little bit easier, but oh, yeah, I guess we'll sure. see yeah. where it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, we take pictures along the way of certain things, and um, Liz and Aaron are great about making like a scrapbook for every year, and they'll include pictures and stuff like that. But um, it's kind of easy because you're out there on the tractor, you stop out to for a bathroom break or something, you snap a couple pictures <laughs> or like perfect example was uh this fall we did some um custom work we helped uh spruce haven do some merge hay so it was one night you know it was beautiful down in aurora we're merging hay and it's like i'm gonna step out sunset beautiful picture awesome it came out awesome you know it's just some things like that you stop and take take a moment to enjoy and, and stuff like that so yeah yeah no
0: yeah, we'll
1: we'll see where it goes. <laughs> All right, you'll have to get somebody to. Yeah,
0: maybe I'll have to bring someone in. Be there like, I won't pay you, but <laughs> why don't you do this for me?
1: Find somebody with a drone. That would be cool. Do some drone shots. That's that. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah, I know. I know of one guy who has a drone, but he doesn't live anywhere around here. So okay, maybe maybe I'll buy one for myself for there Christmas.
1: <laughs> the only reason I say videos is, uh, you know, you're i don't want to say you're a large farm but you're a big farm but you do things so differently than a large farm mm-hmm. that i think it would be a different um, avenue and different um way to get some information out about farms and uh you know eye-opening things because you do graze you do do um, a lot of baleage, a lot of bales and stuff like that that maybe some of these other farms aren't doing and so i think there may be some opportunity to yeah I think show whole, some
0: things I think the grazing is kind of a more of a unique yeah definitely sure. farms that do it and just uh you know it's a good you know we have a lot of success with it so, yeah. yeah
1: yeah it's a good use of the, uh your ground that you have available immediately right around your barns. yeah we're set up really well for yeah. it, which
0: is about
1: 95 percent <laughs> if
0: you don't have it set up and it's a
1: Basically impossible to do. Yeah. 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 So if now, we didn't have
0: a darn gully next to our barn, we could yeah, graze you even could more. Go both
1: sides. Yeah, for sure. There's well, a little bridge area.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, <laughs> there are ideas. I have ideas in my oh, head. Because no. you can, there are areas you go.
1: Is there anywhere where it gets like uh shallower?
0: Yeah. So okay. right by the, when you're on Lick Street, right yeah. by the farm, it's, that's the deepest, basically the deepest oh, okay. point. Okay. But if you go east, so. Yeah you go east away from the gully Street. it flattens out we're way up in the very back of our our farthest paddocks it's basically flat but there's a little stream okay so i've dad and i've talked about it. it's like you know you just punch a hole through the stream or yeah. punch a hole through the woods build it up and, you know put a water cross put in. a
1: walkway in
0: and everything and i almost would you know we've done a lot of black topping you know, i think you would black top that just to keep yeah the, ground yeah you know get it all muddied up yeah so there, there are opportunities and
1: that yeah and that's kind of crazy the whole black topping thing i don't mean to keep running on here but no no, no the the uh black topping to get your cows out to their grazing you black topped their walkway for them which i think is amazing
0: yeah it's uh it's been one of the it was very expensive to do but it's been yeah. extremely beneficial yeah yeah and it's For like
1: hoof care and uh oh cow yeah. care in general their hips and and every their joints and everything
0: yeah and they you know they go outside especially when you get the wet spring mm-hmm. wet fall you know they don't want to go out because they know it's all muddied up yeah, and there's yeah. stones and
1: yeah it gets in between them and hurts yeah, their feet. yeah
0: hurts their feet so now once we did all that blacktop it's like they know they aren't going to walk on anything uncomfortable until they get to that Till they get to the paddock and then there's like 20 feet where it's muddied up because they all stand once they get past that they're on green grass and they're good to go so it's been a yeah but 20 feet's a lot better than a thousand or 2,000 feet yeah because we end up (laughs) blacktopping i think it was almost 15 1500 feet
1: yeah crazy but it was out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) yeah 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 it was
0: um yeah no it was a girl i dated their family did it okay and that's where i got the idea and they yeah. had great success with it. So
1: So do, so obviously you went to Cornell, did a bunch of studying abroad and different things. Um is that kind of um where you pull a lot of outside ideas from or out thinking outside the box is a lot of these experiences? Like um different techniques that different farms were doing?
0: Yeah, it's uh it's kind of a combination of everything. It's yeah you know just your own ingenuity um what I've learned from others you know abroad not in a, when I was in New Zealand they do such a that's completely outdoors all the time yeah. so that was even more different than mm. what we do yeah. yeah 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 so it it crossed over but not not as much as you might think okay but yeah and you know, reading magazines. My dad's really big and you know, he reads a lot
1: of the farm magazine. and okay. learns a okay. lot. And, and, yeah, uh, I think you have to. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's too easy to become secluded and uh, maybe stuck in your own world a little bit if you never um, read any literature outside, you know, what's going on in the industry outside or um, other examples of what other farms are doing. And I think it's it's too easy to dismiss some of that maybe because what you're doing you think is working. So I think it's kind of imperative to do that. And, you know, I'm not just talking farming. I'm talking what I do with my machining and everything. You have to keep an eye towards the future and what um, these other, your vendors and, your, and these product companies are doing that you rely on to make your product. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of imperative to, to keep an eye on where the industry is going.
0: Yeah. If you aren't, I've talked before with, uh, before with uh, Andrew about if you aren't changing and embracing technology, you're kind of standing still or going backwards. Yeah, so 100%, yeah. it's, uh, we've, you know, and a lot of it sometime I think with farming is, well, no one else is doing it. Do you want to be that first one to go out and try something? <laughs> yeah, it's scary your your for crops sure. look like gar. And yeah. I don't really care much and about all the that. neighbors. Pick yeah, up. yeah, all my the neighbors. God, did you see yeah. Eric's
1: corn? It looks horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, and that's you know, it's, it's, it's much, you know, it's kind of a thing. Yeah,
0: worry about it. And just, yeah, he's gotta say whatever. I'm you know, you're trying something new, and that's kind of like with the strip till. My dad read yeah. a lot about it. He's like, I think we should try it. I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. And since then, we you know. We've been strip tilling now five six years okay. and then this past spring we got a tank mounted on the front of the tractor with hoses and oh, we can control nitrogen going directly down into the into the slot
1: so you put it in um you put your nitrogen um in with your strip till in. Mm-hmm. okay
0: we still put some in with the start like a starter yeah but then some of the, we, we experimented. We'd use a different, a few different types of nitrogen. Yeah. One of them was like a slow release. Yep. So it, you know, it stayed in the ground and it,
1: you know, it wasn't
0: it slowly released. Yeah, the plant. you didn't
1: lose it instantly. Kind of so like with the heavy rain. And
0: the reason we wanted to try to get the nitrogen liquid in the ground when we were just doing this one pass of the strip till was we'd always broadcast nitrogen on when the plant was. You know, knee waist high and dry, we didn't do broadcast. it yeah okay. and we didn't do that this year and because a lot of times you're feeding the weeds and you're feeding mm-hmm. you drive along and mm-hmm. when you're on the edge of a field you're feeding the woods you yeah. yeah. <laughs> know yeah, yeah a lot that's of the thing about
1: broadcasting you can't necessarily control it so great no and, and especially if you're doing narrow fields it's you yeah know, you're, you're spreading all them over some. the place so <laughs> yeah
0: why feed the trees right. when you, right. yeah, yeah, you exactly. want it yeah. and the corns so, yeah. and i thought our corn that because not all of it got probably the last 40 acres or so that we planted actually got the liquid uh, fertilizer t- with the planter, with the strip till okay. because we had issues with the GPS and the computer running the pump to pump the fertilizer to the, to the base of the strip till to put it in the, uh, the strip. Yeah. And so it took like, a week for them to figure that out well by that mm. time that week came and went and they got it fixed we were only down to like last 30 acres yeah. but i thought that corn turned out really well yeah, so yeah. i think it's uh we're really looking forward to being able to do a 100 percent this that's coming awesome. spring so yeah
1: yeah that's awesome but yeah no that's cool so always uh progressing and upgrading yeah like got you said to. you got to yeah so yep yep and it keeps things interesting keeps you um involved and invigorated to an extent yeah it keeps
0: it fun yeah you know like you said when it's monotonous and it's the same thing day in and day out it's fun when you have a little change or you try something new and it's uh yeah it keeps it
1: yeah so big thing we did i guess this year is we tried an (laughs) off-brand i guess i would say corn seed right super cheap um god i think it was like a 100 bucks a bag Right for this corn seed, and which is cheap, yeah, yeah. Normally, we're 192, 220 ish a bag in there, you know, depending on company and variety and different things. So, around 100 bucks a bag, and god, you know, it turned out really well. Um, it was funny, <laughs> you know, we we're like, oh, well, we're gonna try this seed, but we're gonna. Put it on a backfield you don't necessarily see and put it on a side road and stuff you know we aren't sure if this is gonna even grow and then it turned out awesome and um so we did a bunch of tests with it and uh we actually sent a sample out and had to analyze for digestibility and and everything and it came back right with all of our other varieties hmm. and um so it was it was good stuff so we're gonna double down and plant even more this year and and uh see what happens hopefully it grows this year too (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe you won't get the good patch
0: this year (laughs) well you know yeah that's a chance you take I suppose hopefully not yeah
1: (laughs) yeah 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 Hmm. so that was probably our science experiment (laughs) I mean it's always fun to do that you kind of want to limit it to an extent because you don't want to get too many projects going on um and try too much and have a lot of variability you know if you got a program that works you stick with that and then you're you know you're always tweaking every year whether it's inputs or a spray program um or you know your seed and uh but you know don't do drastic changes i guess
0: yeah yeah kind of <laughs> walk your way don't don't Flip the whole farm and say we're gonna do every Ooh. acre this way because right, yeah, yeah, it might not turn
1: out yeah. the way you hope. I yeah, mean. and so we we were close to putting some wheat in this fall and we never did, and which is fine. You know, we haven't grown wheat and we don't really we haven't dabbled in it, so we don't know. But um, I think in future years we are gonna try some. Even this even this fall we might try and put some in, and uh, see what we can do with that. Yeah. So I guess future plans <laughs> are yet to be made, right? Yeah. To an extent. But yeah. So all right.
0: All right. Well Mart Marty, thanks for coming on. I've had a Anytime, lot of fun. And this is a
1: blast. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I'll be back next week. <laughs> you can come and watch Yo, all right i'll be an I audience can, yeah yeah you have to be quiet though, i'll behave or i'll lock you out or i'll kick you out i will i don't want to join the other people that have been banished yeah, yeah. there's a reason i locked the door yeah for
0: sure <laughs> anyway uh thanks everyone for watching and uh i'll see you next week i guess just final words if Um, I don't think in the intro slide, I wrote anything about Facebook. I have a, I went back on Facebook, unfortunately, but (laughs) I thought it'd probably be in the best interest of this podcast and, uh, just search for all things, agriculture and go ahead and like it. And I'll upload all the YouTube videos on, onto it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for watching. I'll see you next week.